0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. This new series about runaways, it's, it's really going to be stories about within the Bible that I mean just really the Bible's filled with so many stories of runaways. Mm-hmm. And these people ran for safety, for their sanity, future, their future, family, their country, their own pride for God. There's so many things that people ran away from. And in this whole month we're going to look at these stories and scriptures to see how our runaway moments uh Fit into these stories and how God fits into them mm-hmm. and so with all that being said today we're going to look at Peter one of my favorite people of the Bible because there's so there's just so much to unpack with mm-hmm. who Peter is yeah. and at first glance when you look at him it seems so almost like too short but the story of Peter is so much more when you get in depth Uh, of all the gospels when you get in depth of scripture there's so much about his life that is almost like right under the surface if we just dig Mm -hmm. a little bit deeper um hey victoria glad you could join on miss you kiddo Mm -hmm. um so this is usually the the verse that we equate peter to it's in matthew chapter 4 verse 18 through 20 and it's, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's usually all we get when we think about Peter or even the other disciples. It it just seems like, wow, he just... He just had great faith right Mm -hmm. at the beginning. And it was a simple Jesus showed up and said, hey, come follow me. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll leave my entire life right now on the drop of a hat because Jesus is right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it makes us feel like, well, I don't relate to that at all. It took me just years just to think about going to church, let alone Mm -hmm. (laughs) thinking if I actually wanted to get serious with God. Mm -hmm. And we're going to look at the story of Peter. We're really going to look at the running of Peter And I'm going to give a lot of Bible context today, a lot of scriptures that we're going to dive into I'm going to read to you, and a lot of references just to save time because there's so much just to expound the beginning part of Peter's life that we see in the Bible. And so starting with the very beginning of Peter, you have to actually look at all four different Gospels to get a clear image of what the timeline was like when Jesus found Peter. Because not every gospel gives the very first moment Peter met Jesus, and not every uh, not e- every gospel gives uh, every story that we see with Peter and Jesus, and so the very first moment that that the gospel show that the Bible shows that Peter actually engages in uh, engages with Jesus is actually really a moment that is focused around the baptism of Jesus Christ. And the following verses I'm about to read indicate the day after John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist testified that Jesus was the chosen one of God. And so this is the moment Jesus is, uh, has already been baptized. And now John the Baptist is telling the people, the disciples following him that Jesus is the chosen one, that every, that he's been the, the voice shouting in the wilderness, pointing to Jesus. And this is what the verses say. And this is John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. It says, the following day, the day after John uh, testified about Jesus being the Messiah... The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What an awkward scene. (laughs) What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon's uh, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, "We have found the Messiah," which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus to meet Jesus looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Mm -hmm. And so this is the very first moment where Jesus meets Peter, who his name is Simon, but Jesus names him Peter. Mm -hmm. Now, the, I, I, now look, give me a break here. I don't remember if it's Greek or Hebrew, but either Greek, Greek or Hebrew, uh, Simon means stick while Peter means rock. Mm. And so he's he's making a very, you know, big money move right here and yeah. renaming Peter and saying, you know, it's a it's very like personal identification that he's giving Peter. And it's in this very first moment. And I want to just point out that it was Peter's brother, Andrew, that introduced Jesus to him. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times where, we doubt some the validity of someone else's faith, and we think, well, they're you know, they're never really going to get serious. I mean, that this is probably the case with Andrew. I mean, how long had he been begging Peter to go and see what John the Baptist was saying? And in this moment, he brings Peter and Simon and says, "You got this. Is the one that John the Baptist was talking about? If you didn't see John the Baptist, you didn't get baptized by him. At least come and see this person they call Jesus." and Peter actually finally goes and in the very first moment there's this crazy identification this unique moment where God talks to Peter in a way that nobody else could and he talks to him in such a personal way that nobody else could mm-hmm. and i just want to that's kind of like a side note because one we never expect greater things to happen for others we introduce to Christ
1: mm-hmm.
0: or others that we bring to church we just I just feel like I'm supposed to bring people to church or invite them, and, but I never really think anything's going to happen. And the other part about how God doesn't really need you to speak to their heart, that sometimes we feel like we have to re-explain a church message to somebody or we try to re-explain what the Holy Spirit is saying. When the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself is able to speak to that person's heart all on his own, he doesn't need us to really get in the way. How do you feel about what I'm saying in that?
2: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I mean, as you were talking about this scripture, the thing that kept like going through my head, um, besides what you're mentioning right now, is so many times too, like this was his first real encounter with Jesus. And the first thing Jesus said was like, what's up, Um, Simon? Hey, now your name is Peter, you know, and and just like you said, like that had that name that he gave him has so much purpose. And Peter just walked out of a normal life. You know, he was just a regular fisherman trying to make a living. (laughs) a living a living country yeah a little country twang but he was trying to make a living just doing his thing and out of nowhere jesus came not only called him out but gave him a new name and that new name had so much purpose that he was about to find out about and so many times you know we think we're just you know regular old joes and when we begin to hear god calling us by our name and little by little like trying to put in our hearts like hey you have purpose like I'm telling you that it is a scary thing It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes people are like, they run with it. But I know that hearing from God in that way and knowing that, like, he has purpose for you can sometimes, and I know you're going to dissect this more, but like, sometimes people want to run away from that because we feel intimidated. We look at ourselves in the mirror and all he saw was Simon. Yeah. But the first time that Jesus really stared in his eyes, he didn't even see that. He saw something so much greater. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I could talk more and more about it, but I just, it just really just shows the heart of. Jesus already, you know, like even when we see whatever we see that Jesus sees so much potential in us and he sees what we are called to be. He sees our purpose and he doesn't just see every smear and every mistake on us, you know? And so Peter's awesome and (laughs) Jesus is more awesome. And so, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. And just like what Lauren's saying, Jesus sees us as our potential, not where we're at right now. He sees what what the the great he sees the gold in us and he brings that out mm-hmm. that was already there by our creator, and in this moment it's this moment this is where we usually think like where Peter's journey starts with Jesus, and it just goes all the way to the cross and the resurrection and that's like he only we only know about Peter's denials uh, out when Jesus is about to be. Uh, com- uh, uh, committed to crucifixion. And we think that all this time that Peter's been good boy. <laughs> well, in right after this, Jesus goes up for 40 days, 40 nights to fast and pray. And he goes by himself. Now, look, Lauren started this like get lean, get clean kind of thing. Like, clean, we're, lean, like, 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 like we're that. not supposed to eat sugar or bread for 21 days. Mm. And at first I was like, yeah, 21 days, no problem. I, it's been... Like we're still we haven't even finished the second week. I'm like, yeah, dang It's <laughs>
2: harder than we've done before. Yeah,
0: it just feels so long and it it's not even like we just barely entered the teenage the the teens and <laughs> and it's so much time it feels like well forty days, that's actually a long time when you ain't got especially if you don't have any netflix to binge, you don't got video games no to play, pizza. You, you don't got just, you can't just go get fast food. Days are long yeah. when you don't have all the entertainment things that we have today, to distract right? You. So for 40 days, there's a moment where all these disciples of John come to Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus just says, "Well, I'm going to go away for a while." And for 40 days, he leaves to fast and pray. During that time, John the Baptist is arrested. And so now, the two most influential spiritual figures of that time are gone.
1: Yeah.
0: And in this in this time period where Jesus is missing, John the Baptist is arrested. Peter went back to what he was doing before he met Jesus, Mm. and he goes back to fishing. And it when Peter when uh, so he goes back to fishing. And Jesus, once he's done with his 40 days of fasting and prayer, all the disciples that were following him from that moment, they they all went back to what they were doing, just like Peter. Mm -hmm. And very few were actually waiting for him afterwards. And after Jesus finished that fast, he goes back to his town of Nazareth, and it's where he's rejected. And I want to just emphasize in this moment, before we go on, that this moment this moment where Peter goes back to doing what he used to do, this is one of the first kind of runaway moments, and it's the premature runaway. To where there's, it seems like there's distance. You thought something was there with God, but it feels like distance has transpired. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of go back to what you were doing. And that looks different for so many different kind of people. Sometimes that, that little bit of distance of not feeling like Jesus is near you, it could be 40 days, or maybe it could be a couple months. Maybe it's just a moment where you feel like God's not there. And it's not something that you necessarily rationalize, but it's like a premature decision to just, I just need to go back to what I was doing. Yeah. And it's a, that one premature runaway moment to where, <laughs> God bless you, you. Lauren. <laughs> it, it's that premature runaway moment to where it seemed like things started getting good but the moment that it seemed like things got too bad too fast, also, mm-hmm. and so he goes back to what he was doing. It's that first premature runaway moment, and so now, and just if, if y'all want to look into these verses to find the the inst the stuff yourself, God bless you, everyone. Says
2: mm-hmm. bless you, bless you,
0: thank you. <laughs> um, this, these verses I'm I'm finding we're looking at the timeline is in Luke chapter four through five, Mark chapter one verses twelve through fourteen, and so now Jesus comes back from his fast. Peter went back to doing what he was doing. He ran away, and Jesus first goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and that's where he's rejected by uh, by all the people in his hometown that thought they knew him, but they didn't know him. Then Jesus goes to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and there he starts performing miracles and casting out demons and teaching scriptures to the crowds in the synagogues. Again, it doesn't really say that all the disciples are back. It just says that when he gets back, he starts just doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And if you continue on, it's it's at this moment where Jesus goes to Simon's house, Simon Peter, and he goes to his house and heals his mother-in-law. And so Jesus is back. He's in the house with Simon, with his family, all these people around, and they're begging Jesus to heal his mother-in-law. Jesus heals the mother-in-law. And then it says that she got up, made something to eat, and it was just like this great thing. Mm -hmm. And then it says Jesus goes back to the other towns of Judea to preach the good news. And so we don't see any interaction at all between Peter and Jesus, even when he's in the home. And when Jesus leaves, Peter does not go with him again. Mm -hmm. So this is actually the second moment, the second time that he sees Jesus and he's in that premature runaway stage to where he's like, no, I'm not going to go through that again. And I feel like a lot of us can relate to this moment right here Mm -hmm. to where you were once close with God or at least you were trying to, you just were getting started and it seemed like everything bad happened. And so... Now that God is kind of like inkling back to your ear again, inkling back to your heart, you have this wall up to you like, I'm not going to go through that again. Mm-hmm. Last time I started going to church, everything bad started happening to me. Yeah. I'm not going to deal with that again. And even when God can be in your home, Jesus can be even moving through your family members and, mm-hmm. and answering prayers, You're you're really turning your face from Him because you're running away even though He's right in front of you, even though He's... He's available and he's even like pursuing you and trying to help you. You're still like, no, I'm, I'm done. This is that runaway moment for Peter. And so Jesus doesn't force Peter to go with him. Notice that when Jesus, when Peter rejects Jesus here, Jesus does not force him to do anything. And a lot of times I've, when I've witnessed to people, I mean, you hear someone say something like, well, if God's really there, then strike me with lightning It's because he's not there. If he would, why wouldn't he punish me right now if I'm cursing him? It's because Jesus, God, is so patient with us that he wants us to to enter a relationship with him. The whole point of Jesus, John 3, 16, is so that we would not perish. He doesn't take any joy in, in making us suffer or making us punish. And so Jesus goes back to the towns of Judea. Now this is the next verse that we read, part of Peter's story. Is this come back to Jesus moment? But before I get into that, what do you think about this part of the story that I'm elaborating on, Lauren?
2: Yeah, I think um, there's definitely, like, even in my life, and I think for a lot of us as we um, are walking through our relation with Jesus, that we have that, in a sense, second you know, um, distancing from Jesus or running away. And it, and it's crazy. Like you're talking about the fact when Jesus went away, um, and fasted. Right. And so there's, I, it made me think of, you know, Peter had this great experience with God. He was pumped. He was on fire. He was ready to go, like yeah. change the world. And then all of a sudden Jesus dips. But, and then in that time, you know, like we just talked about, he went back to his old ways or not necessarily his old ways, but his old way of life. And, but Jesus was there and he had Jesus in his heart in a sense, but he kind of started putting up walls and, you know, like in the way I'm viewing it, like, um, how we do in our lives. Right. And so anyways, what it makes me think of is, um, just lost my train of thought, but the, the. In our lives, it makes me think of that song Waymaker. It's a new, Mm. you know, I'm sure most of y'all have heard it. If not, Google it. Waymaker, but i love the part where it says even when i don't feel you even when i don't see you you are working and so many times when we don't feel or see god there's that we feel that there's a distance between us and god and it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it's scary and we feel like he's not with us and we begin to little by little put walls up because we're like where did god go but just like in this story He was not just gone from Peter's life. He was doing some spiritual work. He was over there praying and fasting. He was seeking God's face for a greater purpose that till this day we won't really entirely understand. We don't know exactly what spiritual warfare was going on in those 40 days when he was fasting and praying and and, uh, rebuking the enemy and trusting God. And, and sacrificing food and water all those yeah. days. And so now in our lives, in those times where it feels that God is distant from us, yeah. and w- instead of us putting up walls and saying, oh, okay, God, like I must have messed up, or looking at yourself, like, what did I do for you to leave me? Just like that song, Waymaker, even when I don't feel you or see you, you are working. And so in those times where it feels quiet or distant, God is working on our behalf. He is interceding for us. It even says, you know, now that Jesus is up, um, sitting next to the Father, that He even prays for us. Like, and so... I I, I just like, I just feel like, you know, God even encouraging me like with that, that he is literally working. And so we have to just change our perspective because we can either run away like we all have, or we can choose to see, you know what, dude, like God is working when I don't feel him. Instead of pushing away, I'm going to just be steadfast and and trust in him and grow closer to him somehow, some way.
0: Yeah. And I really love the connection you made to that song because that's exactly what was happening Because a lot of theologians believe it was through this time of 40 days of fasting and prayer that not only was Jesus praying and fasting for his ministry, but that he was praying and fasting for the disciples. And it's right after the fast, this 40 day fast, that he chooses the 12. And so we see that when, even though Peter feels like God left him, Mm -hmm. Jesus was actually preparing a work for him, that he was actually going ahead of him to prepare the way for him. Yeah. it, it there 's so many compound messages just in this part of the story, because even if we look at jesus 's side of this uh, of this scenario, it shows that there 's so many times when we are working for something and preparing for something that others do not always see it like that, that even when we could be preparing for something that when we go out. That it we won't enter into everything we've been planning and preparing for. That even though we've been praying for it, that once we are ready to enter it, that it doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. And and so going going forward, going forward. Now I love Tori's response. That's so good. That was for mm-hmm. you though. That was mm-hmm. from you. No, baby. Uh, <laughs> Tag teaming this right here. Uh, so now we see this part where where Jesus goes back to, and he's going to other towns without Peter, going throughout Judea, and it says uh, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, I'm going to read you all the whole verse, says one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, remember uh, Peter was in Capernaum, a town in Galilee, or I might have, yeah, a town in Galilee, and so he's at the Sea of Galilee, Great crowds pressed in on him, so listened to the word uh, to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowd from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish." Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Let, let's just stop here for a second because there's a lot to digest. It says that Jesus stepped into his boat. Like how intrusive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And remember, last instance with Peter, he didn't even want to talk to Jesus. I want you to imagine the most machismo barbecue <laughs> where, where that the machismo man with his, his Dosecchi's on the side and the pastor comes because he was invited and he's at the barbecue. Oh my gosh, he's here. And everyone's like, pastor, pastor. Like, so we're so glad you're here. Like, did you say hi to him? Like, you know, just trying to ignore him the whole time. And the pastor is sharing and, and everyone's just like, oh man, we're so glad you made it. Thank you for coming. And when he leaves, the, that this machismo character is like, man, why'd you have to invite him like we we're fine, and Dang. I was enjoying myself and uh, i already i've I already uh heard him before it 's all the same old things i don't want to hear it again and now all this time has elapsed, and it's this awkward scenario again where he's he's working it's been a long night he's all tired he's sweating, probably has his shirt off, and has his tattoos showing and and he's just like oh. and then he sees the pastor coming in again, pastor Jesus. And he's like, oh my gosh, like, please don't talk to me. And he's, he's just trying to ignore him, not, not deal with it or anything. And he's hearing everything Jesus is saying, probably rolling his eyes. Like, oh my gosh, I heard that one before. Like, and, and all of a sudden, Pastor Jesus gets into his boat. And he's like, oh God, man, are you serious? And then he says, hey, let's go out into the water. He's so irritated, but he doesn't want to have this confrontation because he doesn't want to go back to his hurt when Jesus left. And so he's just trying to ignore everything that happened. And Jesus is out in the middle of the water. And how awkward to be stuck in the middle of the water with somebody that you're irritated with, right? Well, this is Peter and Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey, why don't you throw your net on the other side? And here Peter is saying, dog, look, I know that you know how to teach scripture and stuff but I've been doing this all night. All right, this is my profession. And it, he's just like to get it over with like, but if you say so, I'll just do it because you're the teacher, right? And throws his side on the net. I want you to understand the irritation in Peter right now, the depth of that, when he, that premature runaway moment, he's irritated with the whole idea of Jesus, the, this, this person, and he just keeps seeming to come back into his life. How many of us have experienced something like that, right? Or just you can't get rid of God showing up at these random moments. You can't get rid of these church people showing up at random moments. You're just trying to scroll and all these churches are putting all these live videos. (laughs) And so at this moment, worked all night, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. As soon as both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking, when Peter, Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, "Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man." Mm-hmm. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, and as were the others with him. And so his partners are James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So all the, the the core disciples, the three main disciples, are all here at this moment. And they're all in the same boat, with like the same situation with Peter. And they were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus replied to Simon, "Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people." Mm. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, in this moment, wow. it brings so much more empathy to when they lo- left everything behind because this is this is a the come back to Jesus moment. Everything that they doubted before, they now believe. Mm. The, the little seeds of hope were now really bearing fruit. And it's like, man, this is the real deal. In this moment where it says that Peter fell to his knees and said, Leave me, I'm a sinful man. Why, why would he talk like that if he wasn't just having every ugly thought about this person, Jesus? Why would he talk like that if he wasn't having this kind of uh, mm. grudgingly reaction th- to Jesus every time he kept showing up in his life? and even though he was pushing jesus away so much jesus knows exactly what's in his heart and he says look don't be afraid of that don't be afraid of all the times that you pushed me away don't be afraid of all the times that you cussed my use my name as a cuss word don't be afraid of all those times that you blame me for your for your problems when you know deep down it wasn't my fault he's saying don't blame i'm not don't be afraid of any of that just come with me and i'm going to make you Fishers of men, I'm still going to use you for the very purpose when I first called you out, when I first told you uh, of how great the great things that you were going to do, when I first told you that you were going to inspire others, the first moment where I, I saw your dreams and your purpose, when I first met you, the, all those things are still there. I didn't take them away just because of this time, because of these frustrations, because of these emotions, because of all these things that have happened. Yeah, I'm still going to make you fisher of men.
1: Good. And
0: see, it makes this moment so much deeper when you understand the actual history that elapsed between the first moment Peter met Jesus, running away from uh, that, pre- that premature runaway moment to where he wasn't willing to have Jesus back, and that, the, even this moment where he was so grudgingly resisting Jesus, and this moment where he's finally even in this last moment, his pride at this point is saying, look, just get away. All right. Like, I know I suck. I know I suck. Just get away. You don't have to keep trying with me. I know that I'm broken. I know that you don't, I'm just broken. You don't, I get it. You can go. And Jesus says, no, don't be afraid of any of that because I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Mm -hmm. And so from this point forward, Peter sticks with Jesus for the next several years. This is a moment where his relationship with Jesus really solidified and he started his walk with God. Before, he just started going to church and he was trying it out but got hurt by the pastor, got hurt by the other church members. Now, he's really found not a religion but a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus. And he walks out for the next several years building his faith, building an attitude to where he's like, where else would I go? He's on fire saying, Jesus, where else would I go but here? I already found, I've found so much in you. I've grown so much in you. Where else would I go? And he finds himself in this this mindset that he could never find any other kind of life except the one that he has with God. Before we go on, I want to just welcome, thank you Tori for, for your reaction, Lucy, oof, amen, Evelyn, what's up Valley girl, uh, <laughs> what's up Geos, um, so glad that you guys could be a part, so I, I felt like, I mean, that was some powerful stuff, when, when I was learning this stuff, I was really being ministered to, yeah. what do you, before we go on, what do you think about what I just shared, Lauren?
2: Um, I mean, there's a lot there and this scripture, like really came to life to me in a new way. And so what I, you know, got from this is the fact that first of all, we read just a little bit ago before this point, uh, when Jesus first went up to Peter and said, Hey, Simon, um, come out, I will, he immediately said, I will show you how to fish for men. Right? So he already told him what I'm going to do, what his purpose was, and gave him a new name and spoke that purpose into him. Then we already talked about how he, all these things happened. Jesus went to fast for 40 days and then he left. And then he obviously went back to his old ways. And what's so cool, just like you're already talking about, is that, you know, just right here where it says, don't be afraid from now on, you'll be fishing for people. Again. He told him, this is what you're going to do. This yeah. is your purpose, just like he did the other time. And what I love about Jesus is he's revealed this so many times in the yeah. Bible, is when we run away and whether he's chasing us back and we are face-to-face with him or we're coming back to him, the first thing he does is not tell us, um, like, for example, have you ever been maybe not to church for a while and then you go back and the someone is like, where have you been? Hey, come on in. We missed you. Where have you been? And in the back of their head, they're like, oh, you've been sinning. And you feel, <laughs> you feel that. Like, what do you mean where I've been, bro? Like I've been, you know, doesn't mean i'm over there just like sending it up like you've just been gone I moved, right
0: dog. <laughs> i moved
2: or something you don't even know you know and so anyways I went but the
0: church online <laughs> yeah
2: but how many times you know have you maybe had that experience and you just felt condemned right yeah. by people or by just negative experiences but what's so cool for what jesus is he didn't say because he knows simon he knows where he's been he didn't say hey yo simon where'd you go like i already told you we're gonna go do this thing together like we're gonna change the world where'd you go No, he said, oh, okay. Um, Not only did he say you'll be fishing for men, let's go, don't be afraid, like I got you. But right before that, what did he do for Peter? He didn't have to do this crazy miracle for Peter. He was about to remind Peter, you're no longer going to be a fisherman. You're going to fish for people. But what he did in that moment is he still blessed him more than he ever would have imagined. And he was weary and tired of his sick and tired of his life of what he was doing, of um, how he was trying to survive day by day. And, and um, Jesus was like, oh, by the way, boom. You know, here you go. Here's a blessing. Okay, now let's go fish for people. And so my point is with that is the Bible even says his kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness. He didn't even have to do that crazy miracle for him. But God is just so good. And he loves us so much. So first he blesses him and reveals his love to him in a mighty miraculous way. And then he says, okay, now again, let's go and do this thing. Because he called Peter and... and, uh, Peter says, I'm such a sinful man, like we feel like garbage yeah. when we when and like that's so many times we run away from God because yeah. we feel Him calling us but we don't get it because when we look in the mirror we we see all, all the all our mistakes and yeah. every reason why we can't be what God is calling us to be. Yeah. But Jesus is awesome and He loves us and He sees only the good in us and yeah. so that's what I think about yeah.
0: that. And, and even as you're sharing that Lauren like that like all these parts have so many compound moments and even right here, it, it's obvious that Peter was lacking financially in this moment. He was fishing all night and caught nothing. Mm-hmm. How many nights has he caught nothing? Yeah. How many nights was he staying up trying to get something to bring home and he wasn't turning up anything? Right. And in this moment, all of his finances were just just provided for. All, yeah. all that he's been working for and hoping for was provided for once Jesus came into the boat. And this isn't like a, turning into a giving message to where we're going to say, like, if you just like Jesus and God, all of your needs are going to be met. Yeah. No, but it, it's it's really just showing the power of God that he he is able and that yeah. he will. And when we think about even the moment of why he was so bitter towards Jesus at the beginning, that what if there was a moment to where he tried taking that step of faith and felt like one of the things that went bad was that all he was not getting his finances in order. I mean, that alone, man, is that stressful. Yeah. He and trying to follow Jesus, and all of a sudden he just leaves, and he's just waiting there, and nothing is happening. John's getting arrested. No income is coming in, and he's like, man, I like I cannot do this anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and in this moment, he provides all that he was needing, and I think that that attributes to the this the depth of his emotion when he goes to his knees because it was that passive prayer that he had been making my god if you are there then i need you to do something Mm -hmm. if you are there i I don't know how i'm going to make it to the end of this month i'm working all night i mean i don't know how fishermen usually are but working all night all day Mm -hmm. you know and catching nothing i mean like, people say, like, he was a professional fisherman, but dang, like, not catching anything. That's tough. Like, not even one little minnow. And in this part, he's on his knees because that passive prayer he's making in the back of his mind, his heart was answered like that. And there's just so much to really get into. But I want us to I want us to finish this story. I want us to finish the story because the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end with him just like, Oh, man, it, happily ever after. And this, it says several years. How many years have you been a Christian? How many, Have you gotten to that year to where you doubted your faith again? To where it wasn't like a doubt to where like, oh, I kind of like sinning. It was like, I am so dead spiritually that I want to run away. Mm-hmm. I I am so tired in my soul that I want to run away from church. I, I, I believe in God. I know God's there, but I just can't take this anymore, and I want to run away. Have you gotten to that year yet? Mm-hmm. Because there's Christians that have been Christians faithful for 11 years, 9 years. That's a long time, and all of a sudden, they just run away, leave without a trace. They were going to church for 3 years, 4 years, and all of a sudden, Back in action to everything that they were doing before, and then some, mm-hmm. because they're running away hard. And for Peter, it's some. It was in a moment of extreme doubt, extreme fear, and he was in the midst of an extreme crisis. I feel like that is one of the biggest things, and especially what we're going through right now. This is an extreme crisis. I, my dad, he's he's older. He's in his sixties. He's never gone through in his lifetime the whole world shutting down, the whole our, just our nation shutting down. Let alone the the world it is extreme crisis that we can all relate to to some degree, some more than others. But it is it is crazy, and for Peter, his extreme crisis was when everything that he was putting his eggs in the basket of was about to be carried away by soldiers and that's Jesus the moment Jesus was going to be being betrayed by Judas and the soldiers came to take him away mm-hmm. all of his eggs were in this basket of Jesus's ministry mm-hmm. he already left once and Peter I mean could you imagine the talks I would have look Jesus I know you went to pray and stuff but you are never leaving me again mm-hmm. I'm yeah. never letting you go again even if if I had to kill somebody I'm not letting you leave me again And then the moment of John chapter 18, verse 10 through 12, it says, Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malachis, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So the soldiers and their commanding officers and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. I mean... I feel emotional reading this. I feel so emotional reading this part. When you want so badly... I mean, it's one thing to say, like, I'll kill somebody for you. But Peter's out here pulling out his sword. Like, he is so serious that you are not going to take away my Savior again. I cannot live without this again in my life. I can't go through all that again. Jesus, you can't leave me like you did before. And Jesus... I could just imagine this moment where, where Peter is like in this, this, this emotional, it's not even anger, it's so emotion, so much emotion and fear that he's pulling out this sword and, and about to kill somebody and I just imagine Jesus standing in between them and just holding Peter's hand and saying, no, just put your sword back, it's okay. And Peter's saying, no, tears streaming down his face saying, no, this can't happen again. And Jesus is saying, it's okay it's okay, I have to do this. And man, I feel, I feel tore up right now just imagining this scene. And it says in Matthew twenty six fifty six, all of this happened to fulfill the words of the prophets recorded in the scriptures. And at this point, the disciples der- deserted him and fled. At this point, what, Peter's in this, this situation where he literally doesn't have a choice. How many of us have been in that year where we don't have a choice? A lot of you guys, even watching this right now, I mean, most unemployment, uh, the the highest level of unemployment cases ever because so many people didn't have a choice what to do. So many businesses, so many families struggling because they don't have a choice. I mean, there's maybe it's not this year, maybe it was last year, the year before that. Those years, those moments... Where it seems like all of your choice, even though you did everything right, you did everything you were supposed to do, you planned, you prepared, you were good, you did your very best, but choice was stripped away and something horrible happened anyway. A crisis happened anyway. Mm -hmm. This is that moment for Peter and so much doubt, so much fear is now trying to control his heart. I mean, I just imagine this darkness all over Peter in a moment. Just in a moment. And what do you think that his initial thoughts were as soon as he had to leave Jesus? I bet you that he went straight back to a couple moments earlier when Jesus said, guys, stay up and pray. Can't you pray for an hour? Just stay up and pray. And Peter immediately went back to, I should have done more. Mm. I should have done more. If maybe if I have done more, this wouldn't have happened. Guys, Jesus was gonna go no matter what. Sometimes those crises, it was gonna happen. It was whatever it was, it was gonna happen. There's nothing more that you could have done. And even though that's true, Peter's just going back and forth in his mind. Maybe I should have done more. And so then it goes into. John chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. The other disciples were acquainted with the high priest, and so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple, who knew the high priest, spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not one of those that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. And this is what begins the denials of Jesus. Peter's denials of Jesus. And I want you to pay attention to this part where the fact that Peter came back to follow Jesus from a distance, it shows that he's making so much emotional decisions right now. He's, in, he's truly in a primal instinct nature. I mean, when you go through so much stress, do we, do you not experience that primal instinct nature? To where you feel like everything you're doing is just like what you have to do. You just, you can't even think about it. I just have to do this. And he's following Jesus from a distance. And just to get in to where, to get a little bit closer to Jesus, he has to deny Jesus to get in. And see, this is those moments where you entered so much confusion of what's right to do and what's wrong. And it's in this amidst this intense crisis where it just seems like you don't even know what's right anymore you you're trying to you're trying to get closer but it feels like in order to get closer you have to get farther and you're in this constant back and forth moment whether it's things you're going through in life just with god and all of the lines that were once clear seem blurry now and as those of you all who don't know it says that there's three times where Peter was asked if he knew Jesus and he denied three times and again, this is all in the effort to get closer to jesus he's he's literally doing his best and he doesn't know what to do it's there was no planning there's no preparing i mean what could prepare you for this moment and he's just trying to to figure it out he's just trying to get closer to the person he loves so much and it says in Matthew 25, uh, t- Matthew chapter 26, verse, uh, in the, the ending verses, it says, But this all happening to fill what the prophets had recorded in Scripture. And it says, Before the rooster crowed, you will deny me three times that you ever knew me. It says that these words flashed through Peter's mind, and he wet, he went away weeping bitterly. So he's in the courtyard. He denied Jesus for the third time, and then the rooster crows. And it says that the words that Jesus told him earlier, trying to prep him, trying to prepare his heart, He told Jesus, Jesus told him earlier, look, tonight you're going to deny me three times. It's almost like Jesus was trying to brace him for that reality. And in this moment, it flashed through his mind, and it says that he ran away weeping bitterly. I mean what a confusing emotional situation. Even as he was trying to get closer to God, he felt like he was doing everything wrong. In this moment, I feel like those words that Jesus gave him were to try to brace him. But instead, sometimes even the words that God gives us to brace us, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of raw emotion, they get twisted and they hurt us even more. And I really believe that that, that that has mixture of the devil trying to just confuse and distort the realities. Is it says Jesus told him right before that the devil wants to sift through you like wheat, Peter, and right here I feel like the devil's just making, just trying to bring extra confusion on all this crisis, all this emotion just built up. I mean I'm going through so much right here, Lauren. What is it that you're feeling, or what is it that you're thinking from this takeaway?
2: Yeah. um... I mean, there's so much there, and, and what i am it's been bringing to my heart and what you're talking about is so many of us have that fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you've experienced that before when you were a child, maybe you were abandoned by a parent, by a loved one, by someone that you clung to that was your security. Maybe they actually left you. Maybe the person that they were, they no longer are. And mm-hmm. so you've been abandoned by that that the the character of the person that used to bring you hope and comfort, um, maybe you have felt just like this that you have been abandoned by God in those times of crisis. You know, in those times of the thing that you thought would never happen happen, and in that it feels like like the the eyes of God and the face of God has turned away, just like when Jesus was on the cross it says, God, why have you um, turned your face away? And, and I probably butchered, but basically he even spoke and said, God, like, where are you? You know, so there's times in our lives that it was bound to happen and we can't explain why, but, and it feels like in those moments that God has abandoned us. But what's, it? it life is just hard and it sucks. But the yeah. truth is, is that, That God was on the other side, that in the story, Jesus had already told Peter before this time actually happened times before, many times before, there, and he would, over conversation, as he was teaching him. hey, oh yeah, by the way, I will be crucified, but don't worry, I will rise from the dead, mm-hmm. and we will just rock this world, you know, like, he told him, he told him what was going to happen, but when he was next to Jesus, and they were vibing, and breaking bread together, and feeding the thousands, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that, he probably means something else, but when it actually happened, just like you said, like, everything, Um, all of that went out the window and, and it's scary to feel that abandonment, especially with Jesus. And so, um, it makes me think of, you know, um, after all that, and Jesus ends up going to, to heaven finally, you know, he shares with his disciples and he shares with his people. He says, um, don't worry. I Though Jesus, his bodily form, was going yeah. to uh, go ascend with his the Father in heaven, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that I will be with you always, even to the ends yeah. of the age. And so, you know, even, you know, we're dissecting, that's a whole other, like, um, subject. Yeah. But all I what kept feeling during this time is, though we're talking about all those points, the yeah. truth is is Jesus is with us, the Holy Spirit He has sent because he didn't want to abandon us. He didn't, and he wants his spirit, which is Jesus' spirit yeah. to be with us as a guarantee, and he says that I will be with you always to the end of the world, to the end of time, to the last day that this earth will be whole and that we will be living, yeah. that Jesus is with us, and that is his holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit is given to his children to give them everything that Jesus in bodily form would, yeah. you know, and so, um, you know, that's a whole another tangent, but yeah. I guess just on that subject of abandonment, like, he is with us even when it seems like yeah. God's face has turned away, it hasn't, yeah. and there's a beautiful ending to all of this, you know.
0: And, and I feel like even what you're bringing up, Lauren, too, is that even when, God tells us what's going to happen. We never think it's going to be as bad as it really is. We never expect bad to be as bad mm-hmm. as when it happens. And, you know, this moment for that, that Peter runs away weeping bitterly, it's that primal instinct runaway moment to where the thoughts that he's having when he's running away is, I'm not good enough. I should have never been here in the first place. I mean, I, I've let you down. All these things are about how I'm not enough. Is why he's running away. We, when we think about running away from God, we, I feel like Christians often think that it's because, oh, I just want to go back to a crazy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But most of us that run away from God is because we just simply, because of all of the ideas that we think of what we're supposed to be, yeah. we feel like we really can't be that. Mm-hmm. And it's those reasons of feeling insignificant, of insufficient, of not being enough, yeah. of why we run away weeping bitterly in our souls because we feel like we can never really please this God that we're hearing about.
1: Yeah.
0: And it is, it is so painful to go through. You know, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Sarah for, for saying what you said. She said that you were hitting uh, right on, Lauren, oh. speaking to her heart. Um, Gina, I'm so, it's so good to see you. Uh, we missed you. Uh, it, I, I was just actually thinking about you the other day too, Gina. I'm so glad that you tuned on. Um, and so, in in this moment, we see Peter, and he. This is a moment where he goes. He literally leaves God again, and he he's not with Jesus. And there's this unknown and waiting moment. This unknown and waiting moment, and I feel like this is the passive runaway. The passive runaway to where we don't really know what's going on it's so difficult to process and it's just that moment where it's like i don't even know right now so what what are you doing in your life i'm just waiting for something to happen (laughs) I'm, i'm trying to figure things out and man it's man it's these moments that i think can be the most difficult of just not knowing wanting to know but feeling like you have nothing no ability to know and it says in John chapter twenty-one, verse three through eight, it says Simon Peter said, I'm uh sorry, I, I jumped I jumped too far. In John chapter twenty verse three through six, this is a moment where Jesus has been crucified. They don't uh Jesus has been crucified and they don't know what to do. And it says, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. Mary Magdalene had just come and told them that she that Jesus had risen from the dead. That angel told her that Jesus told her. And so this is a moment where they're both running, this time in the right direction. Mm. And they're both... Uh, it says that they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside the tomb and he also noticed the wrappings lying there. This is a moment that hope, the hope of what was true is still true. The hope of what was true, what you used to believe might still be true. This is a moment for Peter to where he is literally running like to any drop of water that might quench his thirst. I mean, that's so, so much thirst for God. It's where just the idea of God might be here. Jesus might be here. He runs as fast as he can. And the part that's so interesting is that when John doesn't go inside the tomb is because it's inappropriate. I mean, it's a tomb. Dead people are there. Like, and especially in the Jewish culture, they're not allowed to be in the same room as a dead person or they'll be unclean in their society. There's, their culture their culture will make them wait outside of the city because they're unclean when peter shows up he cares none he doesn't care at all I, I was about to say like he doesn't give a mm. something yeah. but he he doesn't care at all and he goes inside the tomb because nothing else is more important to him at this moment than just a glimpse of what could be true mm. a glimpse of god really being with him still loving him still really there And then after that, this is where Jesus comes and he he shows himself to the disciples as a resurrected Jesus. And so now his hopes are fulfilled. And then we go into this unknown waiting moment. This, This moment to where you know God, you believe God, but it feels like nothing's happening. I mean, a lot of single people feel in this moment right now because they feel like, God told them that they were going to give them a wife or a husband, and they're in this waiting stage, but it seems like there's nothing going to happen. It's been years, and it's been a long time, and nothing is really happening, and they're in this waiting, confused state of the unknown. Some of y'all, it's your purpose. Some of y'all, it's it's your faith, and you feel like, well, God, I feel like you're you're right about to do something. Now, I'm just waiting, and I don't know what to do, and it's right here where we're finishing off in John chapter 21 verse 3 through 8. And before we go uh before we go into this, we're going to go into part 2 on Instagram. So, we'll have to log off and then come back on and finish up in the next, and it's going to be about um 5 or 10 more minutes, uh probably 10, but we we'll, we're going to start part 2 of Instagram right now. And thanks for waiting with us Facebook we love you guys. We got we got to help all the, the people on Instagram get back. Um, technical advisor. Mm. Hey Instagram, welcome to part two of Runaway. Um, so we're we're now gonna read John chapter twenty one, verse three through eight. Simon Peter said, "I'm going fishing." We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Sound familiar, right? At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out fellows, and in Greek it means children. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, which was John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled in the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. Now, this is a moment I feel like we've all been waiting for. And this is... I mean, isn't it amazing that God will bring us back to the moments where we first met him to remind us of how he's still with us, mm-hmm. to remind us of all the promises he made at the beginning are still true now. Mm-hmm. And In this moment, he does the very thing that brought about the commitment out of Peter when he first left everything behind. And it's almost like Jesus strategically made it this way to remind Peter that everything was true. That everything that he thought from the beginning was still true today. In those moments where you've questioned, God, are you really there? Do you really love me like that? Am I really, uh, are you really my provider? Are you really my banner? Are you my victory? Are you my healer? Is it really all true? Because right now it doesn't feel like it. It just seems like you're not even talking to me, like you're not even here. In this moment, it's like Jesus just goes back to the beginning and says, and it just answers all of those questions for Peter in a moment, and I feel like it's for us to find those moments it's it can be found in by surprise like this, sometimes it can be found in 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 worship. I feel like so many times for me in worship, it's like I have all this burden that I'm carrying, all these questions, all these doubts, all these unknown moments, and in worship, I feel like God would just like whisper something from the beginning that reaffirms me for something today and it says that this was enough for Peter to jump in the water and swim a hundred yards to Jesus. For the people in the boat, it's like, well, it's only a hundred yards. <laughs> for Peter, I mean, I've swam in like lakes and stuff before. And if you've ever been like, hey, let's when you're a kid, let's all swim out to that to that rock over there. And it doesn't look that far off. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're swimming and you're like, Man, this is kind of a lot farther than I realized. And the last time I did that, I was one of those guys like, yeah, y'all go ahead. I'm just gonna chill for a second. I go on my back and I'm just like I'm backpedaling now and like, are you okay? Yeah, I just wanna I was just wanting to enjoy the ride. But I'm like trying not to drown because <laughs> it was so much farther than I realized. Peter just violently swimming a hundred yards. That's far. I mean that's a far sprint, let alone swimming. And it says that he gets to the shore because he is that just motivated. To find Jesus in his life, to for everything that was true to be true for him today, and it's at this moment where he goes through this exchange with Jesus, and this exchange with Jesus to where Jesus says, "Do you love me, Peter?" Peter says, "Yes, I love you." He says, "Then feed my sheep." He says, "Do you love me, Peter?" Yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep, and he asked a third time, and this third time, Peter was hurt because it was it reminded him of when he denied Jesus three times. And then right after that, Jesus tells him, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others, uh, others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to him to let him know what kind of death would, he would glorify God with. And then Jesus told him, follow me. What he's telling Peter is like, look, the purpose I have for you is actually still there. But just like I braced you before by telling you that you're gonna that I was going to be crucified, that I was going to be taken away for a little while, but then I was going to come back, and how I even tried to brace you about how you were going to deny me three times. Well, I want you to know that your purpose is still the same. Even though you feel like you didn't do it the way that you wanted, even though you feel like you, you made mistakes, your purpose actually hasn't changed. And I want to brace you for what that it going to go all the way to the point where you're going to be crucified. I mean, and that's like a heavy burden for Peter to carry. And then he says, Jesus told him, now follow me. And it's like this follow me moment that I feel like is so consistent throughout the entire Gospels. And it's this idea that where Jesus just consistently says, just follow me, just follow me. And those moments where you think, well, God, am I, what about all my mistakes? And Jesus says, look, just follow me. Well, God, what about what about that person over there? So Jesus says, well, you just follow me. Mm-hmm. God, but what if I'm not good enough? What if I make another mistake? Just follow me. Mm-hmm. I, am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have to just follow me? And it's like Jesus is just so consistent in his affirmation, his acceptance, his grace, his love, And his unconditional commitment to us. You know, we often think like we need to be committed to Christ, and we do. But it's rare that we see how committed Jesus is to us Mm -hmm. all throughout Peter's story. Do you not see the heart of a father is to a son? I mean, he, he is just consistently going after Peter. And he's so patient. He's so loving. He's so reaffirming to Peter Even through all of his doubts, he reaffirms Peter constantly. And I feel like this message was for so many of us today. Because of all of the doubts that you've been carrying, all of the fears, all of the unknown moments, maybe it's a crisis year for you. And I feel like Jesus is just wanting to reaffirm what he's already told you. That it doesn't matter how many runaway moments we've had or what kind of runaway moments we've had, That Jesus is still the same and he's still right here on the shore saying, just come and follow me. Now, with with ending on that note, what do you have to say for these closing thoughts, Lauren?
2: Um, You know, it just really makes me think of the the truth that, um, just his purpose for us. And so I feel like, you know, as we're talking about this, so many times in life, so many of us, so many of y'all feel like, you don't have a purpose or question God, why am I even here? You know, that sounds dark, but how many times have you said, okay, like, why am I, I rather not even be alive. If I have to deal with this, if I have to constantly replay these, these, these things that have happened to me in my head, if I constantly have to deal with this anxiety, if I constantly have to deal with these struggles, why am I even here? Why did you give me life? Why did you save me? Why, why all of this? And I feel like So many times it's easy, based off of what we've gone through or what we're going through, to doubt our our existence and to doubt our life, to doubt our purpose. But, you know, even in this, just like you said, like his purpose for Peter never changed through this whole story. And every time he saw him again, he said, You will be Fisher of Men. You will do this. You will. And, And so, even for those watching, you know know that no matter what you've been through no matter what you're going through that that his purpose for you will not change and is still unraveling and it makes me think of that classic strip scripture um, and Jeremiah 29:11 but it's a tr- it's so powerful yeah. and it and it says for I know God he says I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a hope and a future. And so many times we think that other people, your mama don't know your purpose. Maybe she, God spoke to her, but it's not all these people. Um, or you're not going to find your purpose in you know your horoscope that day. You're not going to find your purpose in, in um I don't know what you're looking for it in. But it says, I know the plans I have for you. And it says they're good. When we encounter crisis, that is not from the hand of God. He, it, he says clearly in that verse, it's not for disaster. Yeah. But your life is filled with hope, with purpose, and his story for you is not done. Even though you don't see anything maybe good happening right now, or maybe you've been in seasons like that, God will shine his light and God will reveal to you that what he spoke to you at the beginning, just like Peter, will happen. Just continue to trust in that and be steadfast and know that he has good plans for you. And so that's what it makes me think of.
0: That's so powerful, Lauren. And, uh, you know, I want you to just think about where you're at right now. And I want you to be honest with yourself. And are you in a runaway moment? Are you in a runaway stage where maybe it's premature? Maybe it's that primal instinct moment through crisis? Maybe it's the, the passive runaway to where you just feel like it's not that you're running away violently away from God, but you're not running to Him anymore. And you're in this, like, lukewarm stage Whatever it is for you, I believe that Jesus is, is constantly, consistently committed to you. And let, could this not be a moment to, to turn to Jesus and have a conversation with Him, to have a moment with Him, and engage in that real relationship that you know deep down is there and available for you. And I want you to just have a moment of prayer. And I'm going to pray for you too right now. God, I pray for the people that this was exactly for today and that this be a moment that they come back to you in their hearts and their minds and that they bring whatever they need to bring to you, Jesus. Say whatever they need to say and I just hear you responding to them saying, don't be afraid. And I believe so strongly that your love is greater. And so, Lord, cause your presence to be upon them cause your spirit to bring your your peace over them right now and assist them in Jesus name
1: Amen.
0: and if you're ready to start that relationship with God maybe for the very first time all you have to do is have that kind of prayer with him a real conversation and if you need help walking through that just message us and we'd love to, to be a part of that with you on your journey and all that being said we're going to get we're going to close out. I feel like we have a lot to digest, a lot to think about and this was this was definitely a longer message than our usual messages, but there's so much content that we wanted to share with you guys. so even if you have to break up this message and to to two sittings, that's okay. But what we want you to do is we're going to be sharing on our stories um, uh, feedback questions that we all you guys that have been in person at Gravetop, you know how much we love feedback questions. We're going to share our feedback questions on our story. And we would love for you guys to to really take some time to answer these questions and share your opinions, share your thoughts, share your hearts. We'd love if you share them with us to where we can even post online so that we can share because what you have to say matters and it will make a difference in somebody else's life. But even if you just want to keep it private and you want to do it, by yourself get a journal and just write your answers down let it be something to where you really engage with these questions because it will make a difference in your faith it'll make a difference in your life mm-hmm. um, all that being said we love you guys we're so grateful for what um, uh, all that you guys have been sharing all you guys have been uh, liking and commenting all y'all tuning in and still staying connected through this time where we have to have so much distance um, so grateful for you guys I hope you enjoyed the message today If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect First is to subscribe to our show So that the most recent episode will always be in your feed Ready when you are And second is if this ministry has impacted you And you'd like to help us continue to reach others You can click the link in the description Or visit our website, GraveTop.com And you can give now I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast